Well, hello out there, planet Earth, and happy, or in case you missed it, SMB stands for small and medium-sized business. For the last 20 years, I've been a consultant for SMBs, a voice and a sounding board for business leaders advocating on their behalf and their employees, too. I believe very strongly in sharing stories, providing perspective, and most importantly, creating connection. So every single Friday, you can find me right here on talkradio.myc doing just that, lending what's left in my mind and my voice to this radio show where I interview SMB leaders and their trusted advisors. One thing that I've seen over the years is that some of the best thought leadership for businesses actually happens on Friday, just about the time we feel that freedom of the weekend coming. However, we are all so anxious to start the weekend. I know I am this weekend. These crucial pearls of wisdom, they're often overlooked, they're forgotten in favor of fun activities and freedom from work. Here on the show, we take advantage of that weekend freedom and clarity. We discuss popular topics that are on the minds of SMB leaders and their trusted advisors. Once again, people, name of the show, not just a play on words. I love plays on words, but... My last name actually means free in German, so a little bit of consistency there. Today's episode of Always Friday, once again, brought to you by SDA Wealth Strategies, a boutique financial services firm located in Hudson Valley, New York, offering personal wealth management and comprehensive business solutions for clients. SDA stands for Simplifying Financial Lives, Designing Financial Strategies, and Advocating to Implement Them. Concierge experience for individuals and businesses, that's what they do. The firm's highest priority is always the client's best interest, while empowering people and business to be consciously proactive and to thrive today, tomorrow and beyond. For more information, please visit SDAWellStrategies.com. I've been giving updates on my daughter at sleepaway camp the last few weeks, but I wanted to kick things off today by wishing my younger daughter, Sloan, a happy birthday from this week. Wednesday was number seven. So love you so much, little girl. Back to my older daughter and her updates, Hayden. She got the lead in the camp play, The Adventures of Flat Stanley. The play was this week. I didn't get to see it, unfortunately, but I got some really cool pictures, so very proud of her. She's always been interested in the arts, especially especially dance. When she's home, we typically spend about four days a week at the dance school. She competes all different styles of dance. She aspires to become a dance teacher and have her own dance school when she's older. I thought this was a good way to kick off the talk with our special guest today, which is all about financial freedom for creatives. Artists and creatives who want to run their own SMBs, they need help. They need to be able to concentrate on their specialties, the reason they got into business. They need to hire the right professionals who can help them with their method and their metrics to gain clarity on what really matters for their business. The dated attitude that artists are just bad with numbers, not an excuse. The valued business owners, they can feel empowered by the knowledge and insights to make critical decisions by learning to collaborate with other business professionals who maybe have a little bit of different experience. Well, today we're going to hear from both an artist and an entrepreneur who has survived the life of an NYC starving artist and navigated his way through the world of small business. He created his company to share the lessons that are learned along that journey. So talk is cheap. We know that we're on talkradio.myc. We don't want it to just be talk. The goal here, let's use the insight we get on the business landscape people and create more impact on Monday morning. In my experience, SMBs are typically focused on the product that's going to solve all of their problems. The shiny new mousetrap, the magic wand, whatever they come into contact with. One consistent thing I see out there, products change every day in everything we do in our personal lives and our business lives. 
There's no substitute for surrounding yourself with the right people first. Keep a focus on a good process that will help you get to your goals. You do that, the right products will be there. I promise you, everything begins and ends with the people. So I have the right people with me today. I can assure you of that as well. Our guest is Matthew Hegum, returning champion to the show, founder and CEO of 10kcreators.com. So Matthew is a social enterprise leader whose mission is to help 10,000 creators achieve their financial freedom through mentorship, training, and access to critical resources. As both an artist and entrepreneur, this work is very personal. He has survived the life of the NYC starving artist and you know, we want to get into that when we, when we start talking with Matthew here today. In the world of business, a few career highlights include 18 years in the accounting industry, serving in leadership and growth roles at various firms, consulting entrepreneurs and small business owners, also a member of various boards, including the Sage Accounting Advisory Council, Women Talk Money Advisory Board, the Greenwich Village Chelsea Chamber of Commerce, and Pentacle. He's been recognized by CPA Practice Advisor as a 20 under 40 superstar, and was a featured speaker at conferences like QuickBooks Connect and ZeroCon. Published 30-plus articles for the Accountex Report, SmartCEO, and Entrepreneur.com, which we're going to talk a little bit about that article today. He's an alumni of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. As an artist, Matthew has 18-plus years of experience performing, choreographing, and teaching in modern and contemporary dance. Co-founded two NYC-based dance companies, Kinesthesia, and Left Side Labs. His solo and group work has been presented at arts, festivals, cabarets, theaters throughout the Mid-Atlantic region, including Dixon Place, The Tank, New Dance Alliance's Performance Mix Festival, Gloucester New Arts Festival, the Transmodern Festival, and DC's Raw Festival. Whew. As a dancer, he's performed on stages like The Joyce Dance Theater Workshop and PS122 for Nicholas Lecter Dance, Clancy Works Dance Company, Clyde Fourth Visual Theater, Jennifer Monson, and was a soloist for the historical reconstructions of Ted Sean and Doris Humphrey Works. He's a serial networker, co-founder of the SMB Think Tank on Clubhouse, and One Million Cups Seattle Chapter Organizer. He is the best person to chat with about this topic today. We're going to discuss my questions, as always. Who's your favorite movie? your TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? What's your favorite musical instrument? And who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? I thought Matt was waking up super early to hang with us from his home base in Washington State. Turns out he's actually in Washington, D.C. this week. So, Matt, welcome back to the show. Great to have you on the West Coast and the West Coast on the East Coast, baby. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I am so, broadcasting from, yes, Washington, D.C. at the moment. So, you know that I like a good blend of science and art. The type of business consulting work that you do, catering to the creative community, is freaking phenomenal. Love the concept. Love the mission. Let's hear about the journey. Tell us a little bit about where you got, how you got where you are today. Cool, yeah. So I started this company this year. Um, so it's excruciatingly fresh, uh, painfully fresh at various moments. And um, really, I started this company because I, you know, I spent the last, um, it's a funny picture. You found that one. That was a good memory. Anyway, it's distracting. Um, I found, I, I, I found my way to creating this company really because, you know, I spent 18 plus years helping other businesses build their brands, build their organizations, develop their strategy, you know, and bring in their customers. And, and quite frankly, after doing that for, for, for so many people and then having some significant losses along the way, um, where though perhaps others might have benefited, 
uh, more than I, I was like, no, 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 you know what? It's time to like stop that, stop that funny business. Like let's, let's end that train, train track right here and start my own company and really channel that energy and effort into something that is my vision, my mission in the world, but that also brings together the two worlds that had up to that point been, you know, somewhat separate. I was, as you mentioned in my bio, I have this, you know, life in accounting specifically and in small business growth, marketing, business development, et cetera. Um, and then I've always had this life in the arts, specifically in dance. And so when I uh, stepped into the new year, um, to create my company, I said, okay, well, what, what is the thing that I can do to bring both of those things together so that when I sit at my computer and type an email or work with somebody in a spreadsheet, I'm actually not only helping them to address a business issue, but creating a business that actually directly supports my work as an artist as well. Um, so, it's, so it's all integrated and connected. Finally, after 37 years of life, you know, finally found that one. Well, it's that's that's a really great thing. I'm uh, 42 years into it, and I'm 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 feeling like I'm finding some good common ground with everything that I'm doing as well. But hey, man, it's an ever evolving process every day. Word, exactly, yeah. So you know, dealing with the creative community, we're going to definitely get into that when we, we we dive full full blast into the method. But yeah, it's it's something that. That, that has a lot behind it because there's a lot of great ideas, a lot of things that are, that are put out there, but then really matching it up with the business model. And I know, you know, we're going to talk about some of the accounting and business piece behind it, but talk to, talk to us a little bit before we get going here about just the, the general approach to, to, to running a business as, as a creative. Cause I've had some of that experience, which I'm going to talk about too, but yeah, love to hear about a little bit before we kick it off. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know we've got a break coming up shortly, so I'll be concise. Um, yeah, I mean, in short, it's, it's about, it is about integration and, and it's about really saying like, no, you don't have to um, uh, separate these parts of your life. You just have to find the business model where those things can coexist. And then understand that that myth about, you know, artists not being able to do numbers, not having the capacity to think as an entrepreneur, as a business owner is, is complete BS. In fact, entrepreneurship, for those of us who do it, know that it's a creative process. It's an act of creation, just like making a painting or making a dance or making music. So if you can see that as a creator and acknowledge that and then just say, okay, you know, so we were talking about attitude and aptitude. It's just an aptitude. It's a skill set. It's things you need to learn. And of course, things are, you're going to be good at some things, not good at other others. And so then it becomes a question of how do you build community to support yourself in building that business out? Yep. And you don't need to know everything. You could, as aptitude wise, you can research what you want to research. Obviously, we have the information superhighway nowadays. So you can find a lot of things at your fingertips, but the stuff that you don't want to dive crazy second, third levels, you know, deep into just partner with the right people. And we're going to talk about that in great detail today with Matthew Hegem, founder and CEO of 10kcreators.com. Stay with us. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. It's always Friday. And it's me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with Matthew Hegem, founder and CEO at 10K Creators. Matthew and I were just having a, a brief chat in the last segment, talking a little bit about working with the creatives and blending the best business plan. Before we dive full blast into the method behind Matthew's madness, just wanted to sit out by the fire pit real quick. This A lot of this discussion is going to be about you know, balancing the business with the brainchild. I've worked with a number of creatives along the way too, and I've even had an equity stake in a creative SMB a decade ago. And very often the world of running a business can be somewhat new for the creative community. Every, everyone's typically used to having some great ideas. You know, creatives and artists, they're also used to producing them in one one way or another. But good ideas don't always always equate to the best business strategy. It has to fit the market. It has to provide value. And the people in question, they need to be willing to navigate some of the dynamics that come along with that. So in that context, it's really helpful to partner with someone who walks in both worlds. And Matthew, being uh, very experienced and familiar with the arts and creativity, but also with some business sense to help map out the appropriate plan, a phenomenal partner for this. So Matthew, this is the method part of the show. We talk about the science behind what you do, circling around, you know, what do you do? How do you do it? And how do you go to market for it? So lay it on us, brother. Tell us a little bit about your world of, of methodology. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, to be fair, uh, every artist is kind of at their own, they're in their own place with the, the conversation around money, right? And so, um, so the first thing I do uh, with, with an artist when I sit down with them is I really do a two hour, basically a two hour coaching call where we get into two things. Um, one, we get into, and it's really focused on two, two categories, making money and managing money. So we, we get into how they make money and we talk about whether or not they're writing grants, raising money from individuals. Um, if they've got what is commonly referred to as a day job, how much do they make? What's, you know, really where, where is this money coming from? 
Um, and, and from there, we then move on to the managing money and, and we look at practices, right? Do they, um, do they act, actively save money? Do they budget themselves out? Do they think about what they're going to need next month or the following month? How strategic are they in, in sort of their actions and behaviors around managing money? But what really happens and what starts to unearth itself um, in that process is we, we start to see the money stories, right? Things like, um, oh, you know, you're, if, you can't, if you can't charge for it, you're not worth it, right? Uh, or it's not worth it. Um, if you um, aren't making money, then there must be something wrong with your artwork. Um, you know, it, it, money is evil, right? There, there's a lot of stories that are baked into not just artists, but generally speaking, into the ecosystem or the ethos of what is money. Um, and, and where did they learn that lesson, right? So we start to hear some of the stories about, oh, well, when I was a kid, we'd count all our pennies because, you know, we didn't have enough money and we'd divide everything up. And so all of a sudden you start to see those behaviors and beliefs practiced today when in some cases those practices might not actually be benefiting the person. So what happens in that two-hour phone calls as we kind of unearth these money behaviors and money beliefs, um, we then create a, a container for accountability and identify three smart goals that will help to shift what's going on in that circumstance, right? And so those smart goals um, for our artists that I've worked with so far have included everything from um, creating a budget and setting up bookkeeping systems through to launching new lines of business to generate income um, through e-commerce. Uh, as an example, or or even NFTs, which is something we're exploring with a couple of creators at the moment. Um, and then from there, it's about saying, okay, you know, uh, being in business is work. You know, it's uh, as much as we want to follow the creative spirit and and let the muses guide us. You know, some days we wake up and the muse is like out out on vacation and is not interested in answer, answering that cell cell phone, right? But we still have to get the you know get the email out then press publish on the website, do the grant research. And so there's a little bit of grit training around the accountability piece um, and where I, in essence, create a three-month container for these artists and to tackle those goals. And um, more often than not, I'm meeting with them once a week, um, brainstorming with them, helping them to push through those issues. Um, as they need resources in areas of expertise where they're lacking, I pull those resources in, introduce them to people in my network, um, teach them and guide them and consult them where I know is possible. We set up a WhatsApp communications thread and we get in on it and we keep, we stay in communication and keep pushing through. Um, sometimes those goals get accomplished and sometimes they don't. But the reason, but it's important because what happens is they start to see why those goals aren't getting accomplished. And, and sometimes it's because there's misalignment and we talk about it. Sometimes it's because they just simply lack technical expertise or, or overestimated the time it takes, for example, to launch an e-commerce store. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, it's great work and it gets their feet on the ground um, on this entrepreneurial journey. So love all of it. I want to take a little sample from an article that you wrote for Entrepreneur Magazine going back to 2016. And although it's six years ago at this point, it's still extremely, extremely relevant. Sometimes, like you said, you know, money's looked at as, as evil, especially with the creative community when you're trying to do business. And I would equate that to a lot of it revolving around sales. Some people get 
really skittish on the idea of sales and salespeople and raising revenue. But in my eyes, everybody's in sales. Doesn't matter if, matter if you're a salesperson or a doctor. You, you have a passage in this article that says, appreciate the art of the sale. And it's directly tied to some of the work that you do. A sale is like a dance. The best dancers express their motivations and desires eloquently and accurately in a state of constant improvisation even with some of the most intricate choreographed steps. When you enter a sales meeting, take a moment to suspend your ego and evaluate the situation, which the creative community can certainly have a bunch of ego. Pay attention to how you communicate with your whole being and interact by standing still, yet always being able to move. Requires you to be aware of the complex environment of egos and personalities through verbal and nonverbal cues while also staying true to your personality and the elements of your of your pitch. This takes practice, but it will make you a more present person. I couldn't think of a better way to connect the world of being you know, business manager, consultant, accounting specialties, bookkeeping, all of that budgeting to the world of being an artist. I love how you put that. It's great methodology. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm glad you um, brought that forward um, because it's true, right? I mean, I think, and I guess dancer, being a dancer and, and, and having existed in that art form is a, is a perfect analogy um, because, you know, we spend hours rehearsing, right? The intention is to know every step precisely. So there's an exactness to it. In fact, for those of us who are professional, we've probably spent years training on top of that, right? In the studio, dancing, learning the set, learning just how to move our bodies, et cetera. Um, but at the, at the moment of performance, it's like you almost have to set all of that aside and be ready, willing, and able to simply respond to what's in front of you, right? If the lights don't go up, if the curtains don't open up, if that dancer's not there when they're supposed to be, if, you know, and I, I know if I've done a lot of partnering work, if people are flying at you, but all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, that's your head, not your foot. Oh, shoot, I got to shift and change the strategy, but still produce the outcome, right? And I think it's a brilliant, uh, brilliant analogy, but I love the, uh, go ahead, you, looks like you got something to say. <laughs> no, 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 I'm good. No, I'm okay, loving good. what you're saying, baby. Yeah, yeah, no, awesome. But with the Feldenkrais piece, I think it's really interesting. So Feldenkrais is a methodology um, around cultivating awareness through movement, right? It's, um, it's not just for the dance community, it's for anybody who really wants to repattern um, their, be, their uh, physiological behaviors in a, in a healthier, more expressed um, manner, right? And so, um, and one of the things that they talk about often, I remember my teacher saying this is, um, you know, the tortoise wins the race, right? The tortoise wins the race. And I think that's important because um, the energy that you get sometimes in business is go, 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 fast, 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 do, 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 particularly in cities like New York. Um, but actually what needs to occur sometimes is you just need to stop, slow down, gain the awareness of what's going on around you, and then take one simple action to move yourself forward. Because that one simple action could actually be as powerful as a, as a well-aligned punch, right? Uh, and so that, that intentionality um, can be really powerful uh, in the context of business. Yeah. And that's, uh, I totally can identify with what you're saying. A lot of times I feel like I'm trying to attack all problems at once. You have a to-do list. You feel like you're trying to do everything on the list and quite often not manageable that way. You got to pick the top three things that are you, you can knock out with, in reality, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just have to let it go, <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. So going back to the accountability side of things, the container for accountability, you know, that's where, again, you start to blend a little bit of, of science with the, with the art, you know, it's not, not just the, not, not just the CPA accounting side of things, but the accountability side of things or getting folks to really hold them, hold them accountable to the top couple of things that you're trying to focus on. So how do you really go about creating that container? Because, you know, I find that a lot of people, even I try to work with some, some, some are clearer on what they need and want than others. But when you're really trying to hold them accountable, it, it could be a struggle, especially if they're running their own small, medium sized business. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think part of the challenge is changing the narrative around what accountability is. A lot of people will relate, have related to it in a very negative way, right? Sure. Um, but really, accountability is just, just for you. Like, we're, so, so in essence, what we do or what I do with my clients is I create this ac- accountability structure that they've co-created with me. So it's not like me saying, okay, here's what you're going to do and here's how we're going to do it, but rather saying, hey, okay, based on those goals, what sort of support is are you going to need from me to help achieve that outcome? And sometimes it's like, yeah, no, we're going to talk every week for 30 minutes because that's what I need. Some people will say to me, oh, I need a daily check-in and here's what I'm, here's what I'm looking for in that daily check-in. Some people just need these work sprints where they know like, you know, I have, I have a couple of clients who just aren't good at technology uh, and get, get stuck on overthinking through how to solve a problem. And so simply by having me there with them in a work sprint for a few hours where they're doing the work, it's enough. It's enough to help them kind of get through that hurdle. Uh, yeah, the narrative behind accountability can absolutely have a negative connotation to it. And you know, being able to change that a little bit, I find to be very valuable, kind of goes along with the idea of changing the narrative of just being an accountant in general, the idea of being a bean counter to being a steward of the money story. You know, I love to share stories, whether it's mine, whether it's yours, whether they meet in the middle. But yeah, you know, talk to us a little bit about that before we hit the break, because I feel like there's there, there's a nice segue into the madness there of of being a steward of the money story of really shining some reality on uh, uh on the money side. Yeah, exactly. So the short of it is that in my experience, the accounting industry, specifically in the financial services sector, has really controlled the narratives around how we relate to money. And frankly, that's problematic, right? And so the idea, uh, because look at what's happened, right? We've got the 1% with a ton of wealth, and then we've caught the rest of us trying to just, some, in some cases, simply survive, simply put food on the table. Yet we know that there's more than enough resources for all of us to have our basic needs met. That is all a creation of several isms, and in short, the, the money story that, we're, that we are constantly feeding into. And accounting professionals are playing a very clear, though perhaps not conscious role in enforcing some of the beliefs we have around money. So we need to change that, uh, starting with changing, in fact, in this case, the, the definition of what an accountant is and does for, for the people around them. Yep. You just have to be willing to change the narrative a little bit. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back with Matthew Hegem, founder and CEO at 10kcreators.com. Stay with us. Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. 
passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19-related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. Not just me, though. We're chatting with my friend, Matthew Hegem, founder and CEO at 10kcreators.com, on a mission to help 10,000 creatives achieve their financial freedom with their business models. Some great pearls of wisdom from Matthew in the method segment. We're going to move on to the world of madness, the artistic observational view so no story too taboo, things that you've seen out there. I wanted to kick things off once again with uh, an, another passage from Matthew's article from Entrepreneur Magazine that said, this method will help you be more successful in business. So real quick, it says, think back to a business meeting with a difficult client. You worked to stay calm, but frustrations only grew. Brows furrowed, toes crinkled, palms sweated. Nobody talked about the tension, but it was palpable. There are some physiological cues to your body's way of showing what's really on your mind. When you're stressed, tired, or overexcited, it shows. The way you interact with the rest of the world through your physical being is an outward expression of your inner self. Doing business is a practice in the art of self-awareness, of being able to carefully manage your strengths and weaknesses and clearly articulate the expression of who you are. By refining this art, you can cultivate a balanced sense of self that will propel your business forward and close future business deals. I thought that was very relevant because we were just chatting a little bit about the willingness to change the narrative and not look at things in the traditional context. So, Matt, again, artistic observational view. We want to hear some madness, stories that you have from the field. Lay it on us. Mm, Got it. Um, well, I love that you isolated. You're so good at this. It's like, you know what you're doing. This is brilliant, right? Um, there, There's something about, um, you know, somatic awareness is what it's referred to, body work, right? Um, that I think, I think just as much as, um, you know, the arts world has a lot to learn about the business world and how the arts world behaves and relates to money and entrepreneurship and, and, and in fact, the dynamics between the artists and capitalism, the business world has something to learn from the creative community as well. Um, and, and in particular, I think this idea of, of somatic practices and building body awareness um, is, is a space where the business world has a lot to learn, right? Um, sure. Because, and to go to the madness of it all, I think one of the things that 
gets uncovered um, in this work around changing the money story um, is, quite frankly, um, trauma, right? There's a lot of trauma around money. Um, and it could be simple things as like um, early childhood trauma of, of, of poverty, for example. I know my family, I grew up in a single parent um, uh, family household living off of food stamps. Um, you know, worried about, you know, worried about not even living from paycheck to paycheck, but when is the next paycheck going to come and having to really stretch that out. And, and so that bakes into um, uh, one's mindset of fear, right? We, it's often referred to as the scarcity mindset, but, but let's be clear, if a coach comes in back to swinging saying, just get rid of your scarcity mindset, it might not be that easy because if it's that, if it's that rooted in trauma, it's actually hard, semi hardwired inside of your brain. Um, and, and, so, and so you actually do need to take some time to explore what is neuroplasticity and how to unpack that. And then the somatic work is really the way that you start to process through the trauma um, that's associated with that. But there's also a macro trauma, right? We talk about with some of my collaborators who are deep into this work with me, we talk about ancestral trauma. Um, which is the which is the stuff that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation, and the truth is, is we're all dealing with some form of um, of ancestral trauma. We talk about toxic masculinity, for example, um, and and a men's um, men's uh, proclivity towards violence. Right. Well, if you look at the history of humanity, men have been sent to war generation after generation after generation. So it's no surprise that there's a biological reaction that, that is present in the human, in the, in the male identified human body, right? Um, and now that's a whole conversation about gender and sexuality and expression and history and all other stuff. But the point is, is I think if you, if you talk about the madness of this stuff, it, it, it gets down to some of the stuff that, 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 um, you know, there, there's, there's some, there's some judgment against, you know, even, even bringing up these concepts inside of the container of business. Um, yeah, that's, that's a slice of madness for you. Would you like more? <laughs> oh yeah, no, I def definitely would like more, but can absolutely relate to it. You know, a lot of, and, you know, when I talk about providing perspective that comes from a lot of people's travels. If you have experience being a creative or in your case, you know, being a creative and being a, a you know, a professional in the in the accounting and CPA type of world, there's there's a lot of different perspective that can be given and it's, you know, there there's a little bit still of that being willing to change the narrative and how you look at certain things and I I couldn't agree more with the idea of the scarcity mindset and how that might be baked in early and trying to abandon it in favor of the abundance mindset. Like I, I, I think the abundance mindset is the way to go, but you know, I was brought up in a, in a house with, with a teacher. So it wasn't like we were flourishing as, as much as some of the people down the street, but having the abundance mindset definitely gives people a little bit, a little bit more of a perspective. And especially if they're trying to lead a small, medium sized business, wouldn't you agree? Mm. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I would go so far as to say that it's not, you know, reframe, reframe abundance as that it's not a mindset, but that it just is, right? You know, and, and the problem here, and this goes back to money, is, you know, and I'm, I'm reading a, a really valuable book. I, I, I started this group called the Accounting Alchemy Network with a colleague of mine in the industry. And we do a lot of thought leadership work in the accounting space around how accountants can serve as um, agents for social transformation. We're reading a book right now called um, Sacred Economics. It's by Charles Eisenstein. Um, and I, I bring that up. Um, why do I bring that up? Because of economics. Oh, yes, because of capitalism. Because what, is, what has gotten created 
is that we've taken resources that are like like nature, like water, like like even human connection, right? Think social media. We've taken these things that are natural resources that, that are abundant and plenty and have said, okay, we're going to make it so that you have to pay for them. We're going to figure out a way to commoditize this thing called food, this thing called water, this thing called enjoyment, right? And we're going to turn it into a monetary unit and then we're going to transact. And that's actually created, that's part in part why we have so much separation between the business and the earth world, but not just the business and the earth world. You look at our, and I'll speak to the United States as an example, you look at our, our political system, it's, it's clearly divided, separated, boom, right? And it's by design, right? It's by design yeah. because of the economic system that we've, um, we've lent ourselves into, which is a, a story, going back to the story in Charles Eisenstein, the story of a sense that human beings are the premium species and and then within that premium species there's a hierarchy and there's people who are who are who deserve more or earn more and get more and and that kind of takes the whole pie and slices it down to this little tiny thing um and then and then you get the fighting right the conflict yeah. and yet the truth is is that's all we, we just made all that shit up right <laughs> yes. nice. we made it all up it's a freaking story so let's change the story yep I couldn't agree more. In the in the world of madness, you're a serial networker. I am a serial networker. You know, and you you participate in a lot of different forums. But, you know, one that I find interesting is the SMB think tank. So you you started this with a, a friend of ours, Charlie Birch, who has also been a guest on the show in the past. Uh, but you do this on Clubhouse, which could be a whole category of madness in and of itself when you talk about doing things on Clubhouse. But talk to us a little bit about what, what this has been like. You do it every Tuesday and Thursday for, on 2 p.m. Eastern time? Correct, yeah. So this is a space that Charlie and I created almost a year ago. Um, and the intention was to create a space where entrepreneurs and business leaders could come together on a consistent basis to be a resource for one another. Um, and that's been exactly what it is. It's a uh, clubhouse is a, is a sort of like an audio only environment. You have it on your phone. You, you know, you set up your profile with your photo and your bio and your social links. Um, but then when you go into these clubhouse rooms, what happens is it's, Again, it's audio only, but it's kind of like attending a live broadcast, uh, like a live podcast, if you will. Some podcasts or um, club rooms, I should say, are well moderated and organized. Some are not so much. We've done a lot of work to make sure that there's structure and that there's value beyond the clubhouse. So we have a LinkedIn group um, to support conversations between the rooms. We do special events where we, like the first Tuesday of the month, we do a spotlight um, thought leadership forum. We find a, a resource within the community, pin it to the top of the room. We base the conversation on that. At the end of the month, we have our Ask Them Anything expert panels. We pick people in the community. We raise their voices, put them on stage, create the Q&A. But in addition to that, what we've acknowledged is Clubhouse also records all these conversations. So it's not just, uh, it's sort of like combining, you know, networking and, and all that stuff we would go do out at an event with this marketing prowess and this marketing power of, hey, we're also recording a podcast at the same time that we can use for marketing purposes. That's brilliant, right? So, so we love this platform. It's been, it's been a great tool for us to build our community. Absolutely. I look forward to, to coming. It's always tough. Like I, I've, I've tried a couple of times, two o'clock in the middle of the day. I feel like I always have something scheduled right then, but it is going yeah. to happen. I promise. So yeah, well, I know that many Tuesdays, many Tuesdays. <laughs> pick one, my friend. Yeah. Even if it's a year from now, I promise we'll still be there. 
So, you know, you've had a number of people at this point on stage, you know, presenting some thought leadership in a forum of this, this community of, of, of thinkers for the small business community. You know, what's, what's something that, that came up, you know, in, in somebody's presentation story, what have you that, that you felt was really impactful and, and really could be taken home by everybody, including yourself to make a difference. Mm, yeah, I think the one thing that keeps coming up for me, um, you know, and, and I, I, I perhaps learned this the hard way. Um, and, and so I'll just be succinct about it because I know we have another break coming up. Um, two things. One, ethical sales. That's a huge thing. Um, you know, there are people who should not buy your stuff, even though they have the financial capabilities of doing it, or perhaps they don't have the financial capabilities of doing it, and you shouldn't try to convince them to buy your stuff. And of course, there's a lot that can be said about that. Um, and then also something I learned from another organization or community, there's a guy who comes into our group often, um, Josh D'Amigo from Influence, uh, Influential You, yep. um, transactional competency. Yes, it's about relationships. Of course, we want relationships, but it is also about doing good business and doing good business is about thinking clearly through the transaction cycle as they refer to it. Um, so those are two things that, that are sort of major golden nuggets, if you will, um, that, that are lost by many, uh, unfortunately. Absolutely would agree. We are going to take a quick break, but we will be right back with the man himself, Matthew Hegem, founder and CEO at 10kcreators.com. Stay with us, everybody. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We are chatting with Matthew Hegum, founder and CEO 
at 10kcreators.com. I hope you guys have been listening to this because Matthew's dropping some pearls of wisdom left and right for really all walks of business life, but especially for the creatives out there who are looking for financial freedom and looking to really take their business to the next level. This is the message part of the show, the whole idea from Weekend Insight to Monday Impact, some sound bites to leave everybody with over the weekend. Matt, you've given us a whole bunch of them already, uh, not the least of which was right before the break. You know, really have ethical sales, have trans- transactional competency uh, from our, our mutual friend, Josh D'Amigo at Influential You, doing good business, speaking clearly when you're doing business. You know, I was thinking along the lines of the beautiful brainchild is great. Make sure that the business plan is equally great to match everything. You, you've talked about, you know, be responsible for your financial destiny, which I've equated in my travels to don't rely on luck or happy accidents. They're nice when they happen, but have a better plan than that. But also, if it's not working, do something different. Be willing to change the narrative. We said it a whole bunch of times. But what else you got? I know you got a whole bunch of sound bites buried in there. Give give us a little bit more uh, weekend insight to make a Monday impact. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Where to take Where to take it next? Well, I think I think one thing that's coming to mind. Um. A couple things are coming. One, two two things. Let's just focus on two things. One, you know, I mentioned at one point earlier, this whole NFT thing, right? The non-fungible tokens and, and, and sort of how, and, and, and what that is in essence to, to kind of put a pin in that is there's a huge opportunity here um, for artists in particular to migrate from this world of web two, as it's referred to, to this world of web three, where, um, where this technology called the blockchain exists and where people get to create this thing called a currency, right? Or engage in currencies that aren't sort of um, fostered and, and controlled by what we would call the old paradigm and, and, and that sort of old narrative, right? And so I think, I think one thing that I'll sort of throw out there is that, you know, and this is, this is a message specifically to artists who are skeptical about technology, right? So I'm not talking to the technologists out there talking to the people who are skeptical i'm i'm saying to you don't avoid it be in the room being in the room is important because if you're not in the room your voice is not heard if your voice is not heard then it it carries no weight in the direction of the technology how many of us wish we had been in the room in the many rooms right of of all these major decisions that are impacting our lives today Right. Well, we haven't been. And so for, for various reasons. And so now I think particular with with sort of this Web3 world and, and even just the, 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 the philosophy or the principles or the values of that sort of blockchain um, technology is like, look, it is for the community. It's, it's supposed to be um, something that we can all benefit from. So let's get in the room now while while key decisions are being made. Um, I think that's a huge, a huge, huge, huge one. And then the other thing, and this might um be a little bit controversial, um, but I think there is something really important to be re-examined about plant medicine, not just marijuana. Um, specifically, I think there's a whole lot of work that we can do as a culture around marijuana, um, but also um, psychedelics, right? Magic mushrooms. And, and, and to be frank, I think that, um, you know, it, it comes from the earth. It's in, <laughs> first of all, and secondly, it's not, it's not about um, you know, getting, uh, getting shit faced and, 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 you know, 
you know, doing horrible things uh, unintelligently, but rather thinking about set and setting and, and intention and actually thinking about the fact that, hey, this, this could be a medicine for me. So let me, let me figure out what that means. And I know for myself personally, um, I've explored plant medicine and how it's impacted my journey. And when I go back to the, the, um, the early childhood trauma stuff and the, the ancestral trauma and some of the stuff that gets embedded in our bodies, from years, if not generations of violence and oppression, um, you know, I've tried therapy, right? I've tried the, I, I've avoided, you know, um, manufactured medications for various reasons, um, but it wasn't until I found my way to a couple of, of really intelligent people, really compassionate people who did medicine journey work that I was actually able to shake up and release some of those um, those beliefs I had about myself, my body, my relationship to self-worth, et cetera, um, that, that happened like that, that would, have, that would have taken years in therapy to possibly maybe, if I was lucky, uncover and handle effectively. And so, so I think there's a lot of healing that can come from that, that body of work. Um, so don't judge it, and first <laughs> of all. Step number one for those of you who have judgment. Right there. Um, yeah, go for it. We, we could probably do an entire show all about that, but I'm totally with you. Reexamine the world of plant medicine, not just not just marijuana, but a whole bunch of other things along with that. But it kind of comes down to the idea of doing things intentionally, right? And all about the idea of combining the perfect world of science and art. I mean, there is no such thing as a perfect world, but there is progress, right? There's a lot of progress to be made in the world of looking at things, things scientifically with methodology and quant quantitative metrics, but al also looking at things artistically with perspective and observation and quality and know-how and field experience and all that. Love the idea of just be in the room it's something where, you know, again, like you could you could talk to people about things like NFTs and the blockchain and you might get the two houses divided type of feeling. Totally agree with the idea of be in the room like or else, or else you're not going to have a voice, whether it's a real room or it's a clubhouse room where it's just some on demand podcast audio like room like SMB think tank like you're doing now. But, you know, one other thing that I wanted to throw in there before we uh, share the answers to my questions, I asked you. The idea of slow down and actually listen, that also was, was listed in your article from the magazine. And you had, you had mentioned it before with your, with your teacher who said the tortoise wins the race. The phrase isn't novel, but the idea is worth considering. You don't have to move at the breakneck speeds to be successful like we do in New York City very often. You don't have to sacrifice your personal well-being for ROI like a whole lot of SMB leaders do out there. If you take a different attitude about pace, you'll find the rewards are far greater. Don't think about your next meeting or what you want to say when the investor finishes speaking. Instead, give the person your full attention. And as you say, be here now. I don't think I can put it really any better, but uh, you want to give anybody, everybody some, uh, some last parting soundbite words of wisdom before we uh, bring things home here? Yeah. Um, there's no need to grow. <laughs> sounds weird um me meaning that look um one of the one of the reasons why i think all these beliefs and values are important or these that i'm advocating for whether articulated or 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 sort of um sort of assumed just based on the language that we're using um is we are coming to a point where it's uh in our history as human beings where i think this drive this 
focus for exponential growth, how many millions and then how many billions and then how many gajillions can we make and do and da 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 It's like, no, 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 no. We don't need any more. We need to take care of what we have. So I think, I think this whole slowing down thing is also about saying like, wait a second, I've been chasing this abundant life never to, never to have achieved it. And yet all of a sudden I'm surrounded by all this abundance. If I just stop and freaking look at nature or my friend, my friend, you got one friend in front of you, that's abundance right there, right? It's, it's your attitude about it that, that really needs the adjustment. Um, yeah, there you go. An attitude is something which we can control, which we're going to talk about in just a second here. So before I let you go for the day, we're going to revisit the answers to my favorite questions. Who's your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? What's your favorite musical instrument? And who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? So let's dive into it. You said your favorite movie character is Joel from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. For those of you who haven't seen that one out there, when their relationship turns sour, Jim Carrey movie, a couple undergoes a medical procedure to have each other erased from their memories. I guess that's a quicker path than divorce, right? Yeah, that's funny. And yeah, and I love that you imposed my face for a second. I was like, oh my God, Jim Carrey kind of looks like me. And then I was like, wait a second, I look kind of like Jim Carrey. Oh my I God, thought, that's I, I thought the exact same thing, except you never know what Jim Carrey looks like because he typically has the rubber face thing going on, which is cool. But you, you had mentioned that your your favorite movie is from 1995, when I was 15, to Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. So we've mentioned the, the idea of attitude is out there. You know, the movie poster from the movie back in the day said, attitude is everything, which I think is a great sentiment. But you know, also with, with what we've been talking about here today, having the right business consultant, the right advice, you should have some aptitude for business. If you don't have it yourself, you know, lean in with somebody like, like Matthew, like I partner with somebody who's got the scientific and the artistic observation on everything. But back to the movie, if you guys don't remember it, it's three New York City drag queens travel across country until their car breaks down, leaving them stranded in a small town. I, re- I remember this one with Wesley Snipes and John Leguizamo and Patrick Swayze, just a, just a hell of a trio doing this movie. But yeah, I, this is just uh, not, I was excited for this answer, not only to make the attitude aptitude reference, but to make some ridiculous pictures happen, obviously. But uh, your your favorite musical instrument and the artist you'd like to hear play it, no surprise that you like the human body and particularly the voice, and you like the singings of Bjork, Icelandic singer, songwriter, composer for the last four decades, eclectic musical style that draws on influences from electronic, pop, experimental, trip-hop, classical, and avant-garde music. Bet you never thought you'd see a picture of yourself as Bjork, huh? No, but I'm appreciating it in a really weird way. Wow. <laughs> well, that was the idea, obviously. You guys want to, want to hit up Matthew, 10kcreators.com is the website, 10kcreators.com. He's on social media. He's on Clubhouse, the SMB Think Tank. Check it out. If you're in the Seattle, Washington area, you can hit him up at 1 Million Cups. He's the organizer of the chapter, a serial networker. That's how I met him, but just a phenomenal human being, and I thank you for being here with me today once again, Matthew. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure, as always. Coming up next week, we're going to be in August, so we'll bring home the summer with some more fun on Always Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Fridays, after Tommy D on Philanthropy and Focus. Until then, I'll see you guys later.